Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Today, we're going to be talking with Stephanie. She works in experiential tech, you know, making sure that businesses use tech to benefit customers and that it's not a hot mess. But does she want to climb that ladder in an industry where she doesn't really see herself? Let's ask her. I'm a proud Latina from Central America, grew up in a home surrounded by strong and powerful women. My mother was a single parent to me and my sisters, grew up in California originally, and, you know, tried to do everything the right way. Culturally speaking, you know, it was one of those things of you carry your community with you. So that was always top of mind for me of you don't want to do certain things or you do want to do certain things because, you know, we're all grouped together for certain things. So I would say that definitely shaped a lot of who I am and the steps that I took throughout my personal and professional career to make sure that I wouldn't let down my community and that I would make room and and space for those coming behind me. I'm the first of my family to graduate from a four-year university with two majors, two minors, all while working two jobs (laughs) Um, and trying to figure out everything else in between. And then that Thankfully opened, you know, some really awesome opportunities, worked for a big developer out in California for several years, then went off to work for DreamWorks Animation, and then was recruited by one of those bosses, actually. He was a real catalyst to my success now. And he was with me, gosh, those 10 years, recruiting me from one place to the next. He did his own consulting, um, ended up here in, in Texas, in Fort Worth, and got me my current job. And yeah, I have about a little over 10 years of experience in experiential tech and customer engagement type of roles. What else do you want to know? (laughs) Do you feel like your upbringing and that sense of responsibility you had to your family determined what field you went into? Or do you feel like you still did what you wanted to do genuinely? So I think it started off, I was applying and got into UC Irvine with a biology major. So I was going down the route of of pre-med. My father 
is is in medicine and just wanted to do that first. But, you know, big, big caveat, something that I guess they don't teach you in high school. Because I wasn't born in the States, I wasn't able to get certain financial aid and certain help to go to college. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though I graduated top 10% of my class in high school, I had a ton of APs under my belt. My GPA was a 4.3. You know, I was number 11 out of 576 kids from my high school oh, graduating. My but for the simple fact that, you know, I was not born in America, I was denied a lot of resources that are given to, to kids that are born here and, you know, be able to pay for college. So naively, I went to orientation at UCI and just kind of, you know, bucket of water was thrown on me when they were like, well, you have to pay this much and by this time. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have it. Again, my mom, single parent, I'm the youngest of four. So it was one of those things that it was not in the cards for me to go to UCI. So pivoted, took a semester off, ended up going to a Cal State, which was great because I found a really good community, or I should say more of a Latino community that I was able to rally around and then rally around me and switched majors. Because at that point, It was one of those things where I felt if I want to get into higher education or continue with higher education for this simple fact, you know, I wouldn't be able to have the financials, the means to get there. So pivoted into a journalism degree. I did graduate with that and then added uh, Chicano Chicana studies also just to learn again more about the Latino community in California and just overall in America. And then a minor in Spanish language media and in Spanish just to make sure that while yes, I wanted to pursue and, you know, quote unquote, become as assimilated into a degree or a profession that would give me the resources and the avenues to get ahead. Still don't want to forget where I came from, don't want to forget my mm-hmm. roots and being able to see if I can merge both careers, both experiences into one. So long story short, you know, in our community, we're taught lawyer, doctor, engineer, those are the routes you go to. Everything else is more or less a hobby. And of course, because of my father, wanted to pursue in those steps and then just pivoted into, well, how can I use my voice and make sure that other marginalized groups around me, I can focus a light on their voice and help them to shine a light to a lot of different topics and issues. So ended up pivoting that way. But I think coming from a single mom, being a Latina, being the first in, in my family to go to college, it was a lot of factors definitely weighed into the decision one way or the other. So many things you're considering and so many parts of yourself coming to the surface with all of these decisions, whether it be about education or the jobs that you're in. Tell us more about being in the workplace as a Latina and how that's been for you. I would start off by saying it's lonely in the position that I'm at now. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people that look like you, that sound like you, that have your similar experiences. And while Latinos make up about 19% of the U.S. population. Only four, a little less than 4% holds a higher position in a corporate environment. Mm. And 1.6% of Latina women only make it to those executive roles, the C-suites and things like that. So it's one of those things that even though we're in 2023 and we have made leaps and bounds into what's next for minority groups across the board, it's really hard to be the one or one of two, one of three in a company 
company where you don't have shared experiences with other people. So it definitely gets lonely at times mm. in the industry that I am specifically. I feel it's driven by and for men, not just Caucasian men, but men in general. And it's something that those opportunities are not necessarily given to women. And honestly, I think it starts even before a corporate level job. It starts maybe even in the internship world, in high school and college, you know, because a good friend of mine once put it in perspective, you know, if your sample pool is of a set group, a set school, you're only going to see talent from that school. And therefore you're going to assume that the only talent can come from that school. But if you open up your pool to different avenues and be a little bit more, I guess, educated or less scared to go beyond what you're comfortable and what you're used to, you just don't know what other talent you're going to be able to tap into. And I feel like a lot, especially in the corporate environments and in the higher up roles, there aren't a lot of opportunities given to women and to women of color that we're able to even be put on a platform mm -hmm. where we can be looked at or we can be picked from the masses. So I definitely have strong women in my industry that I rally around and that I really try to connect with and promote them as they promote me because it can get lonely for women in corporate America. And I hate the idea of putting women against women. And I feel like it's a learned behavior, right? Because the less room there is for us to continue climbing that ladder, we have a smaller chance of getting there. So the idea of competition among women becomes a reality because of that. There aren't enough seats at the table to go around because the people running these companies aren't allowing for that space to expand. And it's definitely something that I think we're seeing movements going towards the right direction, but not enough that I can say, you know, it's great being in these higher roles and in corporate America. And I feel the support from supervisors, colleagues, and everyone in between. I think one of the stories that I'm fine sharing because I feel like I've seen a pattern of it throughout my work experience is I would come up with you know really revenue generating ideas or something that's going to set us apart and I would explain my thoughts I would explain a concept and it would just be brushed under the rug and then fast forward you know a week a month a year I would hear a counterpart that of course happened to be male and would say the same exact things that I said or presented the ideas. And all of a sudden it was viewed through a different lens. It was viewed as this amazing and progressive and revolutionary idea. And we would hit the ground running and we would start implementing certain things. And it just, it's always just so triggering, funny. At this point, I guess you just kind of accept it. Sometimes, you know, that is the nature of the beast and it's unfortunate, but it's one of those things that there's not much you can do because then as women, right? We're then depicted as you're being emotional or you're being aggressive or something where you say, well, wait a minute, I presented that or that was my idea, you know, and, and that has unfortunately been something that I have seen from very early on when I was just a hostess at a restaurant to now at a senior director level. It's a continuous thing that I see. And it's something that I don't know how to get around it. I don't know how to help the next generation besides, you know, advising people to to be true to yourself. And obviously, if it is an idea that's being stolen from you or concept, a thought or not even being quote unquote courageous enough to be a voice in the room, just to kind of 
be uncomfortable being uncomfortable in those little situations, but I think the reward will be much greater. It's something that definitely I feel may resonate with a lot of women out there, especially if they're starting early on in their career where we allow for our counterparts to take credit for ideas and words and visions that we have because we're too new or because I'm a junior position or whatever, or because I'm a woman. My thoughts and and ideas aren't as valued as much as men. And as we continue to grow in our experiences, we have to make sure that we are helping those behind us come up so that we can make a room at the table and have those stories become less and less. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, I don't know what woman wouldn't relate to what you just said. (laughs) I would be shocked to find one who wouldn't understand that. Sometimes we know that in our jobs to like make it up the ladder and be at the top of our game, we have to be problem solvers. But sometimes I think as, as black and brown women, we can't give too many ideas because it kind of works to our detriment (laughs) sometimes. Because it's like they already know we're ideas people. They already know we're talented. They already know we can figure it out. But it's like intimidating, number one, I think is something white males don't want to admit, particularly white males, maybe just white folks in general. And that it's like those ideas can only come from them because they feel like they're the only ones really qualified to come up with a solution or anything that's good or valuable. A hundred percent. I know you can't see me, but I'm nodding. <laughs> you're you're right. It, it's a lot of those things where in previous just overall interview situations, you know, I've been told over the phone, right? I have a great experience, lovely conversations. And then they see me in person. It's like, oh, you don't have an accent. Um, You know, once they realize that I am a Latina woman and it's just, it's always so interesting because it would that have made a difference in you thinking I was qualified to even come in for this role mm-hmm. had you known for a fact I'm Latina. I mean, I can't hide my last name. It is Ruiz, you know, so it's out mm-hmm. there. But it's one of those things that it's always very insightful, I would say. But I do think that in several conversations over my years of experience, whether it's a white male having the louder voice in the room or just automatic credit being seen to them, you can definitely see it and you can definitely feel it where again, I could say, you know, the sky is blue and no one will believe me, but here Mm -hmm. there's a white male and says the sky is blue and everyone's like, oh my God, it is like (laughs) crazy. You know, and you're so smart. Wow. It's like, who would have thought? How did you come up with that conclusion? And it's very triggering. You know, we're being silenced, and that you see it playing out so many times throughout the years in your career that you start to believe it and you start to silence yourself. You start to say, why am I even going to give out an idea if A, someone's going to get the credit for it if they do take it, or B, they're going to just think it's silly, it's dumb, it's not something that they want to focus on. They devalue and diminish our contributions because of the color of our skin. And it's very, I I don't know, (laughs) it's just aggravating every word in between that you can think of just frustrating. And it's one of those things, just having so much responsibility on our shoulders as black and brown women, and it gets heavy a lot of the times. And if you don't have that support system, whether it's through family or friends or your own community that you build, and, and don't get me wrong, we do have allies in the Anglo white community. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have that support system, it's challenging and it can be just demoralizing. Why do we continue to fight the good fight if at the end of the day, we will only get us half as far as they do, only get half, if that, 
of mm. credit when it comes to these ideas and conversations and, and topics in a work environment. Yeah. And it's like credit, you know, is a weird thing because people think it's about bringing the attention onto you. And the funny thing is like, if this was a fair and equitable society we were living in, we wouldn't necessarily need credit. Oh, you did this and I did this, but you only did this and I only did that. Like we wouldn't even need to sparse it up like that. But we know that when it comes time for a promotion or working with a big client we've been waiting to work with for years or whatever the scenario is, those things do matter because we are playing a game. If we weren't playing a game, the win that was being displayed could be just a win for the company, just a win for the organization. We're a team, but it doesn't actually work like that. So then we're sucked into this competition mode um, and, you know, somebody on the other side will be like, well, why do you need so much credit? Like we are just working together. Like you don't see Bill over here asking for credit or taking credit for something that you brought up that he said, you know, it's always like the comparison game. And it's like, yes, because Bill doesn't need to do it because Bill is going to get the promotion regardless. Right. Well, <laughs> it's already assumed Bill is with the ideas guy. It's already right. assumed Bill <laughs> is the leader of this pack. You know, it's so funny you bring that up because, and it's something that I've noticed in me where it's always a collective environment. And and I do acknowledge that I am not the sole person that comes up with ideas and implements them and and launches them. So I always speak in a we, Mm -hmm. whether I did 90% of the work or 10%. I'm very inclusive in that. And that does matter, you know, where I'm just not taking all credit. But then I quickly look to other colleagues. And unfortunately, a lot of it is our male colleagues and white male colleagues where it's always I. And a lot Mm. of the times it's like, now you and I both know you did maybe 5% of that, but you're going to go ahead and say I to whatever project it is, whatever idea you're presenting. And I've noticed that I feel like I need to start shifting that, right? So where if I do feel I'm leading this project and I've done that 90% of the work, it feels very uncomfortable in me because that's not who I am. But started saying, well, I did this with the help of, you know, and still giving credit to the people that are assisting and aiding this project. But to make it known that I am the face of this project or the leader of this project. And again, it's very uncomfortable. It's sad that we do have to do this, but you're right. We are playing a game and we are already at a disadvantage for being women and for being women of color. So that's already two strikes against us. And it's just, we are trying to keep up, keep our heads above water. And it just, you know, we have to do whatever we can to make sure that we shine in our own light. And it's not even like a selfish or look at me bragging situation. It's more of, I do need these credits so that I can go on if whenever I'm ready to make that leap and have that build up on my resume. There's this conversation going on on social media right now about not wanting to climb the ladder. What if I don't want to be the CEO? What if I don't want to make these types of decisions and never have to deal with all the crap that it takes to get to the top as a woman. Um, And of course, women of color have been breaking it down with their own cultures and race. Do you feel like you are on the path and want to climb as high as you can? Or do you feel like you could be happy in the more middle role? That's a question that I struggle with a lot, especially, you know, not to get down too much of a rabbit hole of, you know, a, a woman and 
having a family and marriage and all of that. But those are all very real conversations that need to be had, especially with a partner. There is a timeline. Unfortunately, biology does not wait for for women. (laughs) And if you want it to go one way or the other, one has to be maybe not completely sacrificed, but it does take a backseat to it. For me personally, I currently don't have kids. I'm not married. So climbing that ladder is my number one priority. I just want to show the people that don't look like me, sound like me, have my experience just to prove them wrong almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that sounds kind of petty, but yeah. at times it's just one of those things that that's what fuels me. It's because I don't see people that look like me. I want to be that person that breaks those doors, breaks that ceiling and pulls people up with me, being able to be that advocate or that pathway for other people. So a lot just kind of goes back to, I don't want to let down my community. I want to make sure that they know whether you grew up in Chavez Ravine in in California or Fort Worth, Texas, like there is a spot, there is a place for you if that's what you want to do. So for me, while I'm comfortable in my current role and what I'm doing, it's not enough. And while I'm able to do more, I want to be able to do more. Love that. An honest reflection, right? Because I feel like what you were getting at by sharing, you know, this is my current life, you could always change your mind. And I think sometimes people think once your goal is set, you know, you make this goal at like 22 and now I have to like stick to it and you're 30 something, <laughs> um, you know, that our wants and needs in our career change over time. So I feel like you left a little space for that, but you're clear on what you want today, which is important. I don't want to speak for all women, but a lot of women are taught you can, you know, only have one thing and be fine with it and you can't change your mind or it's bad if you change your mind. And, you know, and I just don't think that that's the case anymore. If your circumstances and your certain privileges allow you to have a different mind and pivot wherever you're at, it's okay. You know, the idea of midlife crisis and stuff like that, again, quote unquote, happened earlier on than in your 60s or 70s. That's fine. You know, you only have one life to live and might as well just be happy doing whatever it is you want to do. I feel like in the past year, I wanted to pivot careers three or four different times, (laughs) but the options are there. Yeah. But that might be a side effect of us living in a very uncertain world that even outside of career, right? Everything else that's going on is traumatic, up and down. You know, as soon as something is a rule on Monday by Friday, there's a new rule. Like, Mm -hmm. I think as humans, we might be subconsciously just trying to adjust to this world that is ever changing. And part of that is doing something different. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Do you feel like over the years and the different places you've worked that you have had people who have seen your talent and been able to nurture it? Or do you feel like you've had to go outside of those workplaces to get mentors and advice? So a little bit of both, I would say for sure. The person that I was referring to earlier, you know, he has helped me tremendously throughout my career. And I think if it weren't for him, um, certain doors for sure would have not been open for me. And I think along that, he also trained and mentored other people in my life who've also been my support system. And honestly, there were people that maybe saw me grow up professionally. And it's people that while I no longer work with anymore are people that I rely on, that I call on for that sounding board advice or just overall coaching and mentoring in my fields now. So I think it's tricky, you know, a lot of times, and I hate to even say it's by chance that you happen to land on such awesome people. But in my case, I think it was, I was just able to foster relationships with bosses that again, I no longer 
longer work with, but are definitely people that I call on for both professional and personal help. And up to this day, they've never steered me wrong and they've never done anything that I would say would not make me want to be that person for someone else down the line. So yeah, I can think of two very specific examples of people that have helped me along my way, as well as other colleagues. You know, sometimes while they're not maybe supervisors and can give you certain professional help, but colleagues are really just your support system day in and day out. I've been lucky to come across several colleagues that have become like family to me and have definitely been my advocates when wanting to request a raise or wanting to request some kind of promotion. They're my cheerleading squad that is behind me and definitely helping me get to that next milestone in my career. What do you think the most important aspect of a mentor is? I think it's to not be scared that your mentee is going to surpass you or going to use something against you. More people would be advocates of direct reports of subordinates if they weren't scared or threatened by success of that person that they're helping. Mm -hmm. From my two great examples, all I can think of is just kind of the transparency and the willingness and open dialogue and conversations that we would have, whether it's good or bad. You know, at sometimes the answer is no or the answer is not right now and that's okay as long as my mentor is helping by providing tools or providing resources to get around current situations. So being able to remove emotion from mentoring someone and saying, okay, this is an individual. How can we help make them empowered to do what's best for them? But I think several mentors out there are just worried about someone behind or below them coming and surpassing what they've been able to accomplish on their own. And one thing from another podcast that I listened to is their shine does not diminish mine. I think that's something that if more people were to really kind of understand the meaning and the feeling behind that, it would be just tremendous for the generations coming. I love that. I feel like that ego gets in the way so much of these wonderful relationships that could be developed in the workplace and outside. And I feel maybe for other folks of color, it just feels like this dog eat dog, right? Like I can't spend this time helping you because of the situation I'm in. I've got to worry about self, which is a survival technique, but is not really inherent to any of our cultures are the way <laughs> of most yeah. of us grew up. And so we actually like go away from our original cultures and go towards white culture, which is very like individualistic and like you take care of you, I take care of me, but that's not really like usually part of our upbringings and our like lineage culturally. So I think it's like interesting yeah. how we convert. At some points you kind of have to, right? Or you feel like you have to because it's all a game and some people are playing chess while people are playing checkers and you don't understand like, why can I not get there? Or why am I missing out on all these opportunities? And a lot of it is kind of to your point, we're not taught to boast or rave about our successes and about our wins or anything like that. You know, again, for me, it was very much immigrant mentality of put your head down, work, someone will notice you. But in the corporate world, it just does not work like that. You know, unless you are your own marketing campaign, no one's going to see or notice your efforts unless you are promoting yourself. And that's something that we're just not taught 
taught, you know, you look pompous and you look arrogant if you do that in your community. So it's something that we're just trained different. We grow up different. And really, you can see it coming to life in the corporate world. Yeah, definitely. For folks who don't have those mentors to advocate for them, they don't have that. What advice would you give them in finding those relationships? I think you just have to put yourself out there. You have to bet on yourself, kind of find your own community. Again, it doesn't have to be a supervisor. It doesn't have to be someone that you worked for in the past. But a lot of the times, someone within your department or within just your company, not even the same department, can provide a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience that you just wouldn't come across. A lot of us are first generation going into the corporate world and having these higher positions where I wasn't trained what the vernacular is. I wasn't trained of what the dress code is. I wasn't trained of all these things. And you kind of just learn as you go. So I think a lot of that is just finding who you mesh with and then just making a good network around those people. And, you know, there's something to be said about it being more of the quality than the quantity of people that you have. doesn't matter if you have a hundred friends, if only two or three of those people are the ones that are really your advocates or you're really your support system, that's okay. And a lot of the times in particular for me, I feel like I'm an old soul. So I end up just really connecting with a generation that has so much experience and is older than I am. And I just love that because I feel like whatever experience and whatever hurdles they've had to pass through, I won't have to if I take their advice, if I take their guidance. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's all subjective, right? So it doesn't mean it's a one size fits all. A lot of the experiences won't be the same, but I like to take pieces of what people share with me and just mold it into what makes sense for me and in my opportunities and in my next steps. I would say that just put yourself out there and go out, ask a person you may think you have nothing in common with for coffee. And I think, you know, more than likely you would be surprised of the outcome. Great advice. I definitely know so many people who are just struggling with that and they're getting further and further in their careers and they're like, is anyone, can anyone like support me or teach me? But I think luckily for us, we have social media. So even if you don't know people, you have like people in your field online who are like sharing tips and tricks and you're like, okay, I look up to you. I might never meet you and you might never know who I am, but at least there's like a space to get some advice from people who've already gone through something in a more accessible way. So I think that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I want to play a little game with you just to end things quick. Fun, easy. Okay. 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 I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm just gonna say different words, topics, and you just tell me like the first thing that comes to mind. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm nervous already. All right. Okay. Springtime. Bees. <laughs> <laughs> Not expect you to say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, flight prices. Expensive. Brunch. Mimosas. Home ownership. Success. Zoom meetings. Love. What? I love Zoom meetings. If I don't have to be in a room, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. be, you know, mobile. I think it's about that. It's the mobility of being able to grab my laptop and go from anywhere. I, I like that. Okay. Um, Outfits for your dogs. They hate them. I wish I could do it. <laughs> Working in an office. <laughs> oh my Lord. I want to say dated. A mandatory work in the office seems a bit dated. And finally, Latina's in leadership. Progress. 
Yes. Love it. That's it. Thank you so much. You gave like so much good advice throughout the entire show. So we appreciate you sharing your experiences. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course. Thank you. And, and again, thanks for the opportunity. I think this was awesome. And I do think that there needs to be more spaces for women of color to just be able to share their experiences and be okay with it. We have a voice and we need to use it for some good. Yep, definitely. Is there any like last piece or anything else you want people to know or to share with people about your experience or to help them with theirs? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing would be just, and and this is kind of a a realization that I came about not too long ago was, you know, there's not just one conference room, one boardroom that I need to sit in to make a difference in the world. If it's not the one you're currently at because of whatever circumstances, that's okay. There's going to be other rooms and other opportunities where you'll have a space that you don't have to fight to carve or to shape, but will be there and it'll be the right fit. And that's when I think real progress and change is going to come about in the corporate environment. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. How are you liking the season? Make sure you check out Work Stories on Instagram and you can DM me or comment and let me know what you think and what you want to see more of. I'll be back next Wednesday with another Work Story. Until then, take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.